Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, and thanks for joining us on The Great Exchange, a podcast dedicated to looking at the world through gospel glasses. My name is Matthew Halleck, and I am the host for this interesting episode. Um, today, just set up my mic in my office and studio upstairs in my house, and I thought I'd do a little bit of riffing on a post that I saw um, not too long ago. Um, I think it's dated um, the 26th of May, 2021. Um, and it really brings up this interesting topic that I wanted to just discuss with you, our, our faithful listeners, because I think it's an issue that we need to think clearly through as Christians. And the occasion that presented this circumstance, um, was a tweet that I saw that Dr. James Wright had um, replied to, um, and it, it kind of got turned into a may-may, a meme, um, and it was just kind of floating around Facebook. And I think it really brings up an interesting conversation because I know in my work uh, with CCBR going out on the streets doing activism, um, I've had this sort of argument thrown in my face, and it's a very confusing argument because um, – it really is just a result of bad thinking, and it's it's a red herring. It's it's something that uh, is is sort of a non sequitur, but uh, based on their own um, category errors, and um, it has to do with whether or not a pro lifer can be pro death penalty, because right that those would seem mutually exclusive positions, right? If you're pro life. You clearly wouldn't be for the death penalty. It would only make sense. But is that the case? And that's the question that Linda Sarsour put forth on Twitter. And she says, I'm trying to understand how you can be pro-life and pro-death penalty at the same time. And then she has the hmm thinking faces a couple times. The comment itself got... 11,000 likes when it was uh, posted in meme form on Facebook. Um, But Dr. James White had this to say in response. And um, Dr. White is a faithful brother in Christ. He's a Reformed Baptist. He's at Apologia Church, definitely a very um, faithful church over there in uh, Phoenix or Tempe, Arizona, I guess, specifically. Um, And Dr. White has had an amazing ministry. I know Nick and I have both um, benefited f- from it so greatly. And uh, he's at Dr. Oakley1689 on Twitter. And you can check out his ministry at aomin.org. That's aomin.org. Check out the dividing line. It definitely is. It's definitely a one-in-a-kind program. It's unique in the type of content that it puts forth. It's a wonderful apologetics ministry. I would strongly recommend it. AOMin.org. Check it out. But um, James White at Dr. Oakley1689 on Twitter responds to Linda Sarsour by saying, Moses pulled it off. Pro-life means you do not kill innocent human beings. Death penalty means you kill guilty human beings who violate the law of God, take human life, etc., A simple matter of categorical thought, a basic capacity for adults. Ouch. Mic drop as I drop my pen, coincidentally. Um, 
But that's a good response that Dr. Oakley's 1689 James White gave to Linda's post. It, it highlights the major error in thinking that these are mutually exclusive positions. In logic, that's um, a false dichotomy or uh, an either-or fallacy. And it truly highlights what Dr. White points out, that Linda Sarsour, as well as many others... 11,000 by the like count, have a problem thinking critically through the situation. That they just fill the content of these words pro-life and pro-death with things that they don't mean to create a contradiction that is not there. But it's not our ignorance being both pro-life and pro-death penalty it's their ignorance in creating a logical fallacy based off faulty premises. And I wanted to talk a little bit about it because it's something that we ought to think about as Christians. Can we be pro-death penalty and also pro-life? I think the most basic and clearly biblical answer is yes. Yes, and I think based on scripture that we have a responsibility as Christians to be both pro-life and pro-death penalty. So where does a pro-life conviction come from? Why do we believe that it is wrong to kill innocent human beings? Well, the Ten Commandments. God tells us, you shall not murder. Exodus 13 that command is also reiterated again in Deuteronomy. It's a command that is echoed by Christ in a Sermon on the Mount, where he actually increases the moral power of that argument by putting it not just acts of physical murder, but also murder and hatred towards one's brother. This murdering an innocent human being is an evil act. And it clearly says in Genesis 9, 5, B, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of a man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. So here's the interesting part. Thou shalt not murder, and murder is seen as a wicked act contrary to the law of God, contrary to his attributes, because God himself is the giver and sustainer of life. He's not a murderer. That's the devil. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. Nevertheless, it's interesting to see in this text here that in the span of Genesis 9, 4 through 6, we see that the word require is used three times. The words that the Hebrew word that is translated require, I should say. And and what is that highlighting? Well, in Hebrew, words are emphasized when they're repeated. So over and over again, if we if we recognize that a word is being used over and over again, it ought to flag for us the importance of what's going on here. And it's interesting to see this logic, because according to Linda Sarsour, this wouldn't make any sense, right? 
From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. There it is. It's pro-life and pro-death penalty. And the death penalty actually is predicated upon a pro-life worldview. Because what God is essentially saying to Noah in this case is because of the value of image bearers of God, because of the value of every human being who is made in the image of God, anyone who sheds the blood of that valuable human being his life shall be required of him. That is justice, because justice has this idea of tribution, of giving the right due to a person. And what does God say is the right due? Well, in this situation, there's no way to pay back that life that was taken. This is the ultimate form of injustice. It's murdering an image bearer of God, which is an, in, in, in a way is an act of trying to murder the one in whose image that person bears, doing an act contrary to the nature of God. It's also taking upon oneself the power of life and death, which properly belongs to God and not in man. No matter which way you cut it, thou shalt not murder is a commandment of God. And it's because human beings are made in his image and so valuable that anybody who would directly and intentionally kill another human being that would murder an individual with malice aforethought deserves to have their life taken from them because they have essentially forfeited it by violating the image of God in another man to the degree in which they did. So in this one text, we see that God weds together both the pro-life worldview, which says all human life is valuable and has dignity based on the sacredness of the law of God, therefore it must be upheld and respected, but then he adds on to that, that anyone who would violate that sacred image in man deserves as a matter of retribution, of, of a matter of rebalancing the scales of justice, as it were, to be put to death. It's not a mutually exclusive idea with being pro-life. No, it's because we value life so much as a mago day, that the only just penalty for one who would disregard that sacred image in man, they should be put to death. It's sanctioned by God. It's required by God. And we see in scripture that the Lord's judgment is upon the land of those who would not execute justice in this way. This is a part of the, the recreational covenant of Noah. 
And this is binding upon us, regardless of how fallibly it may or may not be executed here on earth. That is what is required. Now, this is in the context of, obviously, um, a trial, witnesses, the two or three independent lines of witnesses. We understand that that all goes along with this. But murder burdens and pollutes a land. And God will not put up with it. Thus, God demands a compensation for unlawful killing and nothing less than the life of the murderer will do. So that's how, biblically speaking, just one verse connects the dots. So then when we apply that to the abortion debate, what are we talking about? Well, when we say that we're pro-life, we simply mean that we believe that human life has intrinsic, inherent value as a Mago Dei, and that no man ought to kill an innocent, living human being. What is abortion? Abortion is the direct, intentional killing of an innocent human being. Therefore, we are against abortion— Because we believe the most basic of all human rights given to us by God is the right to life. So if we believe in human rights at all, we ought to believe in the right to life. Because without the right to life, all other rights are superfluous. It doesn't matter. Because you're dead. Your right to go to school or you know, marry who you want to marry or whatever, any of the rights that we talk about nowadays. None of that matters an iota if you're dead. So this this trivium of rights that dates back and was well articulated through um, Christians through the Middle Ages that got repeated again um, in the Enlightenment thinking um, that, that it became known as like the Lockean Trinity that then found its way into the De- Declaration of Independence and subsequently into almost all modern political theories. This this right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as Jefferson articulated it, but more historically understood as the right to property, all of these negative rights as they articulated are rights that are given to man in God's law. Now, they're a gift of God, and I would hesitate to use the, the word unalienable as, as men have done in the past because that's based off of a state of nature and some more secular enlightenment thinking. We have rights, but they come with responsibilities. And God is ultimately the giver, the maker and sustainer of life. And he is the one who has the power over life and death. And if he says that death is required of those who would so defame the image of God in their fellow man, then who are we to argue against the just judge of heaven and earth? His law word is the standard of how we ought to live. And the beautiful part in this 
Genesis construction that we see here in Genesis 9, 5, and 6 is the high value that he places on, on human life, the high premium that there's no, that in certain cases of defiling the image of God and man, it's so wicked, it's so bad that the only way to get any means of proximate justice is through delivering up the murderer to death. So that's how we are to proceed. And as Dr. James White mentions, the pro-life movement, our basic simple tenets are that innocent human beings shouldn't be killed. But there's a difference between an innocent pre-born human being that has not committed a crime as the heinous violation of murdering another image bearer and one who has forfeited his right to life because of that grave sin. So it's a simple category error like Dr. White points out. And we also have to understand as the pro-life movement, we can't get sucked into this idea that when we mean life it's life for life's sake and it's it's not just life in general but it's it's this this cushy western modern life as well right like you you see pro uh you know pro biden evangelicals come out and they they throw a whole bunch of issues into a pot and say if we were truly pro-life we would stand up for all these certain different things therefore because biden uh, wants to give a bunch of people goodies we will vote for him even though he's pro-abortion no what we're talking about when we're talking about the right to life what we're talking about when we're talking about this as pro-lifers is that all innocent human beings have that most basic human right and that human right ought not to be violated even in the most difficult of circumstances that's what we're saying human beings deserve human rights as image bearers of god and those human being or human rights should begin when that human being begins which we know scientifically is that fertilization it is absolutely irrefutable Science has spoken. The beginning of each of us as a whole distinct human life begins at fertilization. Thus, human rights ought to begin at that point. Because those are rights given to us by God that no other human being has the right to violate. So that is just something that I want to help us think through because when we're talking about all the goodies the welfare system and and a and a beautiful modern um thriving middle class life that's not what's traditionally understood in life we're talking about the right to live all those other things would fall more closely in the category of property or the pursuit of happiness but that presupposes the right to life so let's not get confused let's keep good categories let's keep these velcro strips in our minds that we might think clearly through this issue 
that we might not be confused and that we may not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of our minds, that by testing we might discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And in this case, Scripture requires us to be both pro-life and pro-death penalty. I hope I've given you something to think about. I hope you have enjoyed this new type of episode. Nick and I are in the process of really expanding what we're doing as a podcast. We're in the process of creating some wonderful reformed merchandise so you can reform your closet. We're in the process of launching a new website with membership tiers where you can get some discounts on that sweet, sweet reform, reformed merchandise where you can get access to exclusive content, to extended interviews, some wonderful welcome packages, gifts, and also be entered into win our monthly giveaways. We did it for a long time for free, but now these monthly giveaways where you can win some amazing resource packages, they're behind the paywall. But for a really, really small amount of money each and every month, you can get your chance to win some amazing reformed uh, resources as well as be entered in for discount codes on merchandise and it also gives you access to exclusive um, content and and a community page that we'll be running as well so we really look forward to building this community we don't want to just navel gaze we don't want to just do this podcast um, and not engage with you our listeners Um, and this will help us continue to build offset some of the costs that go into providing the content for you, but then enable us to get new content, better interviews, um, to produce better merchandise for you. And really, it's just a wonderful opportunity to uh, get the Reformed worldview, the biblical view of life and everything out into the world. And as we are want to say on the podcast, look at the world through gospel glasses. That's our goal. That's what we're here to do. That's what the podcast exists to do. And we're really excited to create this group, create a community where we can pray for one another, where we can study the Bible together, and where we can help each other look at the world through gospel glasses. So definitely check out our website now, thegreatexchange.ca, for any past episodes. All our content is up there. And also keep looking out for some of that new stuff that I made mention of because we are definitely excited to launch it for you. So a lot coming down the pike. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. Uh, We hope you look forward to some of our other episodes as well. We got Scripture Saturdays where we are continuing our walk through the book of Genesis. And that's been a wonderful time to just see how God is working in history um, to redeem his people. So it's a wonderful opportunity to continue to to walk through scripture together and we certainly encourage you to tune in for those as well and we hope you are edified by the content we hope this is a topic that interests you we hope that it helped you think clearly through the issue and we hope that it blessed your soul so thank you so much for tuning in uh again maddie signing off and as we say at the end of every episode it is finished
Do you love listening to The Great Exchange? You can subscribe to our podcast on any one of these podcast platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, and have two engaging episodes delivered to your mobile device each week. Our midweek message covers a myriad of topics and teaches us to look at them all through gospel glasses. And our Scripture Saturday episode is just that, an opportunity to study the Bible one passage of Scripture at a time. Miss an episode? Visit our website, thegreatexchange.ca, and you will find the complete back catalog of our episodes. And don't be shy. We love to hear from you, our listeners. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram, or if you're not social media savvy, send us an email to thegreatexchangepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you all for joining in our ministry as we help you look at the world through gospel glasses.